Hey guys, so before we get into the episode, we want to um, give you a breaking news update that happened a few minutes after we recorded. Um, so Trump is prepared to sign this bipartisan bill that we will tell you about in a few minutes. Um, but at the same time, he is also going to be declaring a national fucking emergency so that he can use military funds to build the border wall. So when a baby doesn't get what it wants, it throws another tantrum. Hello, and welcome to the Betcha Sup Podcast. I'm Sammy Fishbein. I'm Brian Russell Smith. And for those of you who are just tuning in, the Betcha Sup Podcast is your weekly rundown of everything that's happening in the news explained by your two funniest friends. Which is us. Today we'll be talking about the shutdown deal, Ryan Adams getting me too'd, and the Elon Omar controversy. Let's do it. Betches Media presents. I like beer. I don't know if you do. Okay. You like beer, Senator, or not? Uh, my party is going bet crazy. <laughs> Alternative facts. Oh, goodness. The Betches Sup Podcast. America! Here we are. Another week. Another Thursday. Another Thursday. Today is Valentine's Day, but it's also the anniversary of the Parkland Mm -hmm. shooting. Mm -hmm. I really feel like that was a turning point for common sense gun control and just like Gen Z as an activist generation. Yeah. Um, I feel like the conversation has been more in the forefront now than ever. And I think that... It's, I think it also like really changed the public opinion, you know, like 90% of people now support stricter gun laws for background checks and right. I mean, seems pretty obvious to me, but you know, but, um, the Donald tweeted about how it was a year since the school, we have to end school violence. It's like, that doesn't, you mean gun violence? Right. It's not in the school because it's school. It's because of the guns. (laughs) Yeah. Like that. I think that was the main issue. Well, Donald, if he's good at anything, he is good at branding. So that was a good slip. Like when you sent that uh, tweet to me, I was like, what, what am I missing here? Yeah. And then you were like, he called it school violence. It's crazy that it's only been a year. It feels longer for some reason, you know, because I feel like so much has happened. Like, David Hogg and Lauren Ingram fighting and like he didn't get into Harvard and then he, and he did. did get into Harvard like wow so much has happened it's been a shit show of a year yeah um but Sammy what's getting you through the week in Trump's America um a lot is getting me through the week but one thing I wanted to call out in particular is AOC and her Twitter mm-hmm. and something that she tweeted yesterday which I thought was actually pretty enlightening because it called something to my attention that I did not know about. Mm -hmm. So she tweets a picture of a bunch of homeless people sitting outside a congressional office. And she, she tweets shock doesn't begin to cover it. Today. I left a hearing on homelessness and saw tons of people camped outside committee. I turned to my staff and asked if it was a demonstration. No, they said lobbyists pay the homeless and others to hold their place in line so they can get in first. So, I didn't realize that that was like a normal function of our no idea that that was a thing. Right. It's so fucked up. Yeah. I can't believe that hasn't been stories before. That's like some tale of two city shit. Well, that's like what they used to do for Hamilton when people were trying to get those Hamilton tickets. Right. And then they made that illegal that like you had to be the person buying the tickets to go in, which makes the most sense. So what we're saying is that Broadway ticket rules yeah <laughs> are stricter than campaign or just general like lobbying finance rules yeah it is it's really bizarre um did you happen to see that oh you did you sent it to me actually that video of aoc like really just laying out how campaign how fi- like campaign finance mm-hmm. works and how our system is so deeply corrupt yeah that video is actually now the most uh watched video of a politician on twitter ever ever mm-hmm. and Good. it's like 40th or something it's great yeah 
basically we just got to get big money. She's, she's going to be, be a, a big force in getting money out of politics. Yeah. I mean, watching that, I really felt for the first time that there, that I, I was represented. I can't like explain it. Uh-huh. I never, ever, even though I live in a democratic state and have always been represented by a Democrat in Congress, I, I don't feel necessarily, I never felt represented yeah. until I saw that. Well, she's, she's speaking in a way that, relates to us as opposed to you know weren't because like how are we supposed to relate with these like old white men it's right it's not even the re- i mean maybe it is the relatability like she's my age mm-hmm. like you know but i don't even know if it's the relatability it's that she's putting a light on how things actually work and understand like and i always wondered like why don't i feel represented like mm-hmm. why don't i feel like this is like legit yeah and she just laid out very plainly why we don't feel represented it's because we aren't because the only thing that's really represented is whoever is able to pay the politicians the most money or pay the homeless people Mm -hmm. to get into the politician's office so aoc and like win yeah she's really winning she is brian what's getting you through the week so it looks like the Republicans and Democrats have gotten together and have agreed upon a deal that would prevent another government shutdown. Um, so this deal um, overall is $22.54 billion for border security in general. Um, it'll fund 55 miles of new border barrier for $1.375 million, which is interesting because... Uh, Donald Trump shut down the government for 35 days because he wouldn't get 1.5 billion, but he seems like he's going to be signing this one. Yeah. I mean, look, needless to say, Donald Trump has never actually made an effective deal in his life. He's never actually like not run a business into the ground on someone else's dime. So yeah, it does not shock me at all that this is how it ended, that it ended in like a putter, 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 of his like and there's no back pay for federal contractors on this one though which is surprising because it was such a long shutdown and i don't know why i feel like that's something both sides could have agreed upon well he's too busy like in his golf simulator for 50 grand that he installed in the west wing although apparently he never even used that but he so the president has to sign this in order for it to pass and he hasn't he's given indication that he would sign it but he hasn't really flat out said he would he tweeted today that his him and his staff were reviewing it. Okay. Him and his staff. His, his that staff means that Stephen Miller is going to yeah. like give it a once over and be like, this sucks. Exactly. <laughs> but it's like, so either he signs it and then, you know, declares a national emergency or diverts funds from like defense or disaster relief. Mm-hmm. All just doesn't seem to be playing very well. It just, this was not, this was not a great move. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. Like, I think this bill looks really good for yeah. from my perspective because there's also a, like a, an increase in security and humanitarian needs there's 564 million dollars for new equipment for border security 414 million for relief aid at the border like that mm-hmm. sounds great there's yeah. there's going to be 600 new customs officers and 75 immigration judge teams so they'll be able to process visa applications and yeah. asylum applications quicker well, there was like this new did you see that riot that happened at one of the camps down at the border they were saying they were chanting like we're hungry like and then they're like let us apply for asylum like they're just holding these people in these like fenced in areas they're like with children and yeah, it's, it's really like fucked. gulags. Yeah. There's also going to be $527 million for assistance to Central American countries. So, I mean, maybe people won't need to come here and apply for asylum if that's what the Republicans want. Yeah. But there also is supposed to be a 1.9% pay increase for federal employees. 
Um, I don't know where that stands in terms of like, is that a good increase or a bad increase? I think it might be kind of standard, mm-hmm. but um, there is a pay increase. Yeah. So, Well, the deadline is tomorrow night, uh, Friday midnight. So that's when we'll find out if you'll, by then we'll know if he's signing it or not. I feel like he should just like do it in the middle of the night and like we don't have to talk about it if it's going to make him feel bad. I, I but mean, like, yeah, we also like don't have to shut down the government I feel again. Like, I feel like the fact that he's not addressing it, it's it's he's going to sign it. I agree because he's because if he weren't going to sign it, he would be arguing. But he has to like apparently Ann Coulter insulted him again. And yeah, even like Laura Ingram, Sean Hannity said that he shouldn't sign it. And if he does, he should declare a national emergency immediately. Like. He's and it's crazy that we have to I like hate these people so but much. It's like who gives a fuck with these conservative speakers? Like they're like dictating what the president does. Well, it the reason that that actually makes sense is because they they represent his base and all he has is his base because he's never ever tried to do anything that would yeah. that would reach out across any other demographic group. So yeah. he really has to pander to those people beca- and, and give them the things that he said that he would give them. So yeah, if I'm them, like this is a good move, but mm. for, but again, I didn't say that they're like not totally selfish psychopaths. So. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. I just, I, it, I, I think it'd just be really cr- And like the fact that we're applauding these people for the, this like nothing is really happening. It's like they're just funding the government, which is their most basic duty as our elected representatives to even have a government where like we can't, we shouldn't be fucking applauding the president for this. It's like, this is your basic job. Right. But like when he won't even do the basic job, like we yeah. gotta be happy. Like we're not even passing like infrastructure bills or like what about infrastructure week. We had like five of those. I know. It's just like, come on guys. Like let's not, let's not like, because like he's so shitty make it seem like this is good. Oh no, it's totally shitty. It's not good, but at least there is a deal and there's not going to be another month of like bullshit between him and Nancy Pelosi going back and forth about like, I don't know her her coat or something. Mm-hmm. So like I don't know. All right, let's get into the main news. Yeah, we have a big me too. Yeah, not brought to you by Ronan Farrow though. So no. look at that. Um, and the the object of the me too movement this time is Ryan Adams. Not to be confused with singer Brian Adams, who I coincidentally am named after. Oh my gosh! Yes, my sister was a very big Brian Adams fan. And I thought the name sounded sounded yeah brian adams is like the same guy who's like summer 69 and heaven right i was like is that is that the guy no No, it's not the same dude okay yeah ryan adams is like more indie he's more indie he has 16 albums and seven seven grammy nominations and he was known in the industry for quote-unquote championing female artists and taking interest in their careers especially younger ones i think now we know (laughs) that anyone who champions a woman that isn't like their immediate family uh, not even like their wife yeah. is is doing something weird. It depends. Like what kind yeah. of guy is just like, oh, let me like help you out. I mean, I think it's fine if it if they are. I mean, I think they, it's great and they should champion young women like men. They but should. They but should. I don't think they do it for that. Like the way we envision. I mean, them doing unless it. they're like also championing men and women equally based on talent, I think it's fine. Right. I mean, even if they choose to champion women, I just think that like now that we've seen any guy who is like who is in a power position and trying to quote unquote advance or allegedly advancing a woman's career. I don't think you, I don't think we've like found any that are not also sexually harassing them. Well, Judd Apatow. 
champions a lot of women. He comes to my mind. Amy Schumer, okay. Dana Dunham. He also champions men though. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Right. He's like he's like he's like if you're talented and funny, I'm going to I'm going right. to help you make it. So I guess the sign is if you only champion women. Yeah. And if so, they're like less like they're less of an advantage to you. Yeah. So the New York Times interviewed seven women and more than a dozen associates and they all described a pattern of manipulative behavior in which Adams dangled career opportunities while simultaneously while simultaneously pursuing female artists for sex. So, okay, there what the the beginning story of this is kind of like a phone sex relationship that he had with a one, uh, she was a fan. Her name was Ava or she goes by Ava in the Times piece. Started in 2013 when she was 14 years old. She was an aspiring bass player. <sighs> And basically their conversations about music eventually turned into him asking her for phone sex and like, I guess like nude Skype situations yeah. where, or at least he exposed himself over video. Um, and this went on for like many, many years yeah. where he was like up until the point, like she's 20 now. Mm-hmm. So here's like a sample of the text. He says, I never see pics of you anymore. Adams wrote in November, 2014 when he had just turned 40 and Ava was 16. He says, you were blowing my mind. And later they say he had pet names for her body parts. And here's what gets weird and kind of like speaks to like the macro <sighs> picture of the me too movement. Days later, Adams expressed anxiety if people knew, they would say I was like R. Kelly, LOL. This is the part that really grosses me same. out. It's same. Same. Like he knows what he's doing. He, he knows, knows what he's doing and he knows what R. Ke- like, and okay, so like R. Kelly just, just became like a, a thing. Yeah. Because of a documentary. But yeah. like, this is obviously an open secret Everyone because knew. he's referencing yeah. it in like text to some 14 year old girl. Like, that's not normal. No. Also, like, if you knew someone was like a widely established sexual assailant or whatever it is, would you like casually reference that in texts with like someone who doesn't necessarily know that? Yeah. Like, that's weird. It's like he's a, he's like refer- he's like aware of his own pedophilia, na- pedophilic nature. It's yeah. really weird. But so 10 minutes after he said that, he goes, I just want you to touch your nipple Ugh. and tell me that your mom is not going to kill me if she finds out we even text. He claims he didn't really know about her age um, and that he like he thought she looked 20. But like he kept asking her to tell him how old she was. I feel like he was like getting off on the idea that she was a younger girl. Right, but right, but he wanted some plausible deniability, so yeah. like he didn't really know. There were two other stories like that in the um, in the Times piece where it details one example of a twenty-year-old artist named Phoebe Bridgers who recorded music. He recorded music with her and then shut off when she wouldn't respond to his sexual advantage. Advances another si- situation of the of that kind with thirty-five-year-old music artist Courtney J. And, and like, I think she stopped making music actually yeah. because of him. The Phoebe Bridgers has a song about him that's actually really good. Oh, <laughs> but um, it's like he would be like, "Oh, you need to come on tour with me. Let's get." And then like apparently within the week they were saying that he wanted to marry her. And then when she like didn't like she, she kind of wanted to end their romantic involvement because I think that they were kind of consensually romantic, but it, there was still a disgusting power struggle. Well, I don't think consent is the issue because they also in the article address Mandy Moore, who he was yeah. married to. Yeah. So I think that what he does is that it it is consensual. Like this girl, Ava, I think was like consent. She was consensually speaking to him. I don't think it's the consent. That's the problem. I think it's like the power and the manipulation. Yeah. That's the issue. 
Um, Mandy, in the case of Mandy Moore, they met in 2007 when she was 23. He was 10 years older than her. This is the Mandy Moore, like the Mandy Moore. The yeah. famous, oh, this Mandy is Moore. us, Mandy yeah. Moore. Like she yeah. is interviewed in this time Stupid Cupid, you're a roomy guy. Yeah, like, <laughs> so like, this is like a nail in the coffin for me. Yeah, 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 yeah. This was, okay. So they got married in 2009 and in 2010, she parted with her current manager at the time and then started working with him. He was her husband. Yeah. And she basically says his controlling behavior essentially blocked my ability to make new connections in the industry during a very pivotal and potentially lucrative time, my entire mid to late twenties. Um, and she basically says that they, that he was controlling of her and yeah. he would use music to control her. Yeah. Um, and it's clear that he was doing that with other people. He would like record songs with all these women artists and then not like say he would never release them or he would like book studio time and then book another person at that time, like constantly to fuck with them, to fuck with them. Yeah. So he, Mandy Moore and him got a divorce in 2016. And in the article, she says that she's still like recovering from that relationship. Yeah. It's like, it seems like he was just like an abusive guy. Mm -hmm. His response. Let's, let's read it. I am not a perfect man and I have made many mistakes to anyone. I have ever hurt. However, unintentionally, I apologize deeply and unreservedly. But the picture that this article paints is upsettingly inaccurate. Some of its details are misrepresented. Some are exaggerated. Some are outright false. I would never have appropriate, inappropriate interactions with someone I thought was underage, period. As someone who has always tried to spread joy through my music and my life, hearing that some people believe I caused them pain saddens me greatly. I am resolved to work to be the best man I can be. And I wish everyone compassion, understanding, and healing. What a white person response. I was literally what thinking, a white man I was like, response. this is a white man response. It's just like Chris Pratt saying like, oh, the church accepted me when I was divorced, so you should be okay with the fact that they're anti-LGBTQ. It's like, okay, go fuck yourself. Right. It's like... How can you equate how can you equate what you went through and also the idea like also like I also feel like they think that admitting that they're not perfect somehow gets them off the hook as if we thought they were before and, and like the only thing they did wrong was like smash that expectation in some way and like it's always like these the, these apologies it's like to anyone I have hurt however unten unintentionally I apologize deeply just say I apologize don't say it was unintentional I'm sure it was on some level intentional also, I what the idea of being like I'm sorry that my actions made you feel bad. You're not you're not apologizing your for your actions. You're 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 apologizing for their reaction to your action. Also, I do believe I actually do believe that this is unintentional because clearly what was clearly like the the trend is that like these men who are in very powerful positions mm -hmm. to advance or halt someone's career, they they think that that's okay and normal and that's how it should be. Yeah. So they think that that's like standard, normal, acceptable behavior. So that way, so that's why when they do, when they're, when like later on it comes out that they are at fault for something, they truly didn't, I believe that they didn't like mean to because they think that this kind of relationship is acceptable. Yeah. That's the issue. Like, I think that really it's just like their standards are, deeply fucked up is well, what i'm saying yeah he, and he has like such a, a history of like um addiction and like depression and mental illness and so like i wonder how that all played a part in this you know because a lot of this seems to have been taking place while he was in a committed quote-unquote committed relationship with mandy moore right yeah no he was they were they were married like i don't again like i think that this is like an example of like the window of acceptable behavior changing mm -hmm. on these guys 
And that's really the issue. Like, yes, it was always wrong, but it yeah. was still within the window of acceptable behavior like yeah. that they could get away with. It's gross. I know. It's it, it doesn't make it less gross, but that's why these guys all have these like bullshit apologies because they don't really feel that it was wrong. Yeah. Because it was societally acceptable. That's the bigger problem. I don't know. I'm just glad that it's coming to light and maybe people will think twice before they try and do fucked up things like that. Right. And the more we hear about these stories, I think the future, the way things are, the dynamics between people, famous, not famous, whoever they are, I think will ultimately like start to improve or hopefully they will. Could be like a backlash and we could end up like all handmaids, but (laughs) we'll see. Okay, let's get into the Ilhan Omar controversy. I think this is an important conversation to have. Yeah. Um, So basically, she got into a spot of trouble earlier this week Mm -hmm. for making a comment that can definitely be interpreted as being anti-Semitic. But I feel like she says it's it's not. She she says it's about lobbying, but I think that it was taken to be anti-Semitic by a lot of people. But let's just explain how Mm -hmm. it went down. So basically, Glenn Greenwald tweeted that the Republican House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy had threatened to take action against Omar and Mission Congressman Rashida Tlaib for criticizing Israel. Mm -hmm. Omar responded, quoting the tweet and writing, it's all about the Benjamins baby. And then someone, I think she was an editor for Forward, tweeted, would love to know who Ilhan thinks is paying American politicians to be pro-Israel, though I think I can guess bad form, Congresswoman. That's the second anti-Semitic trope you've tweeted. And she replied, she replied, tweeted that, APAC. Yeah. She receives a lot of backlash to that, and then she apologized. Um, should we, because, uh, yeah, yeah, because everyone is basically saying her comment was using tropes and was anti-Semitic. Yeah. But I, I wonder if, like, the fact that people thought it was anti-Semitic was also like kind of anti-Semitic. No, no. Do you know what no, I'm saying? I, I can see. I see how you're saying. Here's the thing. Because I understood what she meant. I understood what she meant too. I also understand what she meant. But the thing is that like there are certain things that like you can't say the same way there's you, things you can't say about any given group. Mm-hmm. You can't say, you can't really make associations between Jews and money. Like yeah. it's just like kind of fucked up. I do think she has a point about lobbying, but mm-hmm. that can be made in like a more constructive way. Yeah. Maybe not, maybe it's not like, trying to make a joke about the Benjamins. Yeah. Maybe would have been the better choice. Right. Because like, here's the thing. If we're going to criticize Donald Trump for being anti-Semitic, this, okay. Trump obviously criticized her and called for her to resign, which I think is ridiculous given that he is the one who tweeted a picture of a Jewish star surrounded by money and constantly pushes George Soros conspiracy theories. So if we're going to criticize him for all that, she can't be saying this kind of shit. Like it's really not okay. And I mean, I'll just say as a, as a Jewish person, I really do see that there is some anti-Semitism on the right. There's some on the left. And I think that it, both sides yeah. uh, need to be held to that but standard. I think people also need to realize that being like hard on Israel is not being like hard on the Jewish people. It just, it's a Jewish state, but Netanyahu has a plethora of corruption and problems. Right. And that is, that is another big issue. I, I absolutely, I agree with that. Israel is obviously not a perfect state or perfect country. None are, but I think that 
if you're going to criticize someone for being anti-Semitic, then mm-hmm. like you have to kind of watch what you say. Yeah. And I don't think that, look, I don't know how she feels about Jews. I know how she feels about Israel because she's tweeted it not positively, but, and this isn't even like an Israel, not like a yeah. pro or anti-Israel conversation. But I do think that a lot of times, even though people are anti-Israel, it does often show itself in anti-semitic tropes Mm -hmm. the same way that donald trump tweeting hillary clinton's face next to money and a star of david is an anti-semitic trope he could be making a point but it's like the way that it's said that is really not okay yeah like it it, the same thing applies to to donald trump's quote about the trail of tears like you can't make trail jokes when you're making fun of native americans like there's certain things that are that are that carry forward the stereotypical and the bigoted thoughts about different groups. Yeah, it's like you can't be cool with the president saying Mexicans are rapists and yeah. like things about not good things about Nazis and saying grabbed by the pussy is good or not like right and not like uh, attacking like like when he's like saying on both sides or you know it's like yeah I okay so she she apologized via notes app as the modern apology mm-hmm. is made these days. Um, and I actually, I, I like her apology. Um, it says, anti-Semitism is real and I'm grateful for Jewish allies and colleagues who are educating me on the painful history of anti-Semitic tropes. My intention is never to offend my constituents or Jewish Americans as a whole. We have to always be willing to step back and think through criticism just as I expect people to hear me when others attack me for my identity. That's, this is why I unequivocally apologize. At the same time, I reaffirm the problematic role of lobbyists in our politics, whether it be APAC, the NRA, or the fossil fuel industry. It's it's gone on too long and we must be willing to address it. Yeah. I mean, this is how you make it. This is how you apologize. You say yeah. I, that this is why I unequivocally apologize. Yeah. That's what you say. That's how you, you apologize. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I mean, Trump responded to that by calling her apology lame and told reporters that he thinks anti-Semitism has no place in the United States Congress. Okay, you're a massive hypocrite. Mm-hmm. This is a man who once said that the only people he wants counting his money are short Jews and yarmulkes. Yeah. So they if were, you if you if, it's if it's not appropriate for her to make jokes about money, it's not appropriate for you to make jokes about yeah. money. And my source for that is the Trump Revealed book. Um and then he calls on her to resign, which is a, which Vice President did Michael they, Pence did, later did they, echoed. Did they ask? Did they call on Stephen King to resign? Nope. Yeah, I didn't right. think so. Yeah, hypocritical. Um, so she responded. Hi, at real Donald Trump. You have trafficked and hate your whole life against Jews, Muslims, indigenous people, immigrants, black people, and more. I learn from people impacted by my words. When will you? Again, I I think that's absolutely accurate. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. She handled this fairly well. Yeah. I as think, far as like racist accusations and, you go. Know, she should. She I'm glad that she apologized. But, you know, Pelosi is back is backing her. She's saying like, no, when she was asked if Omar should be removed from committees, which is the GOP is demanding. Um, she said, Nancy Pelosi said a newcomer, a newcomer member of Congress has apologized for her remarks. It took them, what, 13 years to notice Steve King? She also said, I don't know what you mean, that she apologized for what she said. I think the administration owes an apology for the, some of the things that were said there. At the also rallies. for locking the kids in the cages. Yeah. That um, too. Nancy said, as I heard the president speaking this morning, all I was going through my mind was Jews SA, Jews SA at his rallies that he never d- distanced himself from. They shouldn't go down this path. They have no clean hands. 
Absolutely. That's yeah. exactly how I feel about it. It's like, it's not really okay from anyone. Yeah. Like, I do not think that was a good comment for her to make. I don't think it's a good thought for her to have. Mm-hmm. Same way I feel about him. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's hard to be a minority. Yeah. Whether you're Jewish or not. Yeah. It really is. No matter gay, straight, or bi. Yeah. Transgender, lesbian, no matter. life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that song. <laughs> all right. right. We're all just right. Exactly. The only person is easy to be, although hard, getting harder is a straight, white, wealthy man. Mm-hmm. Getting harder, though. I mean, allegedly. OK, let's move on to one more thing. Because of Viagra, they're getting harder. Uh, Sorry. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Viagra is like heavily subsidized and like yeah. female like birth, like birth control and tampons. Like none of that shit's subsidized. I know. But Viagra got to get them hard. Hashtag tampon should be This is not sponsored. No. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, one more thing. Um, Big Manafort update. We got a big Mueller one more thing. yeah. Russia, all that shit. Yeah, it's really the central issue of our time. The fact that we have a Russian asset in the White House. Allegedly. Okay, so basically a judge ruled that Manafort violated his plea deal so he's no longer like immune to any sort of punishment. He could potentially get a life sentence now. Um because he intentionally lied to the FBI and the Mueller grand jury, which is in violation of his plea deal. He lied about several things. One payments. There's like one, like very large payment that he made. Mm-hmm. I think it was like 175 K. It was from like, and like, we don't even know. We don't know what, what it, it was, was like from a law firm to another law firm or some shit. Yeah. yeah some sketchy payment that he lied yeah. about Two, The fact that he had contact with Konstantin Kalimnik, he Rick Gates and uh, Constantine bestie mm-hmm. all had a meeting at a cigar club like five blocks away from Trump Tower where they apparently discussed the a resolution in Ukraine. He mm-hmm. lied about that meeting. Yeah. And then in the in the yeah. so in the ruling the judge uh the judge in the case Judge Jackson agreed with prosecutors writing that the special counsel had quote established a preponderance of evidence that defendant intentionally made false statements to the FBI, Mueller's team and the grand jury. Yeah, and the last thing he lied about was another investigation that the DOJ was was working yeah. on unclear which one and, and like, what it was. There were other things that they think that he lied about, but they weren't like substantial. Like the judge said that there wasn't enough substantial evidence to say that he had lied. Like, I think one of the one, one of them was uh, his contacts with the administration. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, I mean, they could, ha- they could still. Yeah. Be, he still could have lied about it. Right. So he's scheduled to be sentenced on March 1st. Mm-hmm. Hope it doesn't get pushed back. So your sentencing date looks sexy pushed back. Yeah. Andrew Andrew Weissman, who's a key prosecutor in the Mueller investigation, he recently like and like this is the first one of the first times we've really seen like a statement from them in like a mm-hmm. unredacted sort of fashion. And he said the meeting goes to the larger view of what we think is going on and what we think the motive here is. This goes, I think, very much to the heart of what the special counsel office's investigation. What I've heard is that what they're most focused on is sanctions, which tells me that they're focused on the quid pro quo for the sanctions, like yeah. what that was. That's obviously what they're probably trying to prove. You know, Trump was Trump was trying about, was about to make the most lucrative deal of his life in Russia, and he would probably have lost all the money anyway. So he didn't think totally he was going to win, <laughs> and so he thought when he lost, this would all, no one would ever give a fuck about it. But then right. he won't became president, so everyone's like, we give a fuck. Yeah. He wanted that tower for a long ass time. Yeah. Okay, and the second part of one more thing mm-hmm. is a new interview that Andrew McCabe gave to 60 Minutes yesterday. And yeah. he revealed 
that he's the one responsible for ordering the obstruction of justice uh, investigation against Trump after he fired Comey. Yeah, I'm going to play a quick clip from that interview. I was very concerned that I was able to put the Russia case on absolutely solid ground in an indelible fashion that were I removed quickly or reassigned or fired, that the case could not be closed or uh, vanish in the night without a trace. I wanted to make sure that our case was on solid ground and if somebody came in behind me and closed it and tried to walk away from it, they would not be able to do that without creating a record of why they'd made that decision. That makes me feel better. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it seems like people at the FBI were like, what the hell is going They're on like, with what this the guy? Fuck? Well, because remember when Comey didn't know he was fired until he saw it on the television? That's he was happened like a, to a lot of people. He was about to give he like a speech. Special. He was about to give a speech to a bunch of FBI agents. He had just gotten off a plane and he like looked at the television and said, James Comey is fired. Rex Tillerson was like in the middle of taking a shit. Like, <laughs> come on. This is like how it goes. They yeah. all know they're going to get surprise fired. But I think the focus of this is on the eight days after Comey was fired before Mueller was hired. The FBI was trying to figure out what to do because they're like, what do we do? This guy's a nutcase. Like, yeah. what if he shuts down the investigation? This is very corrupt. So they were trying like to openly saying I fired Comey for the Russia thing. Yeah. He said it to the Russian ambassador. He said, he said it on NBC to Lester Holt. Like, right. Like what the hell is going on? So television. yeah, they were right to be concerned. Yeah. So basically the FBI was kind of like, shit, what do we do? What happened here? Um, and they were, so basically Andrew McCabe, Rod Rosenstein, like the top brass of the FBI all apparently talked about how to use the 25th amendment. And they were like trying to count, like, would we be able to actually get enough people to yeah. vote him out that and then this is the whole thing with rod rosenstein wearing the wire he claimed that came out a while ago but he claimed that he was like joking about that but i actually think that was taken as a serious discussion and it was they would they like looked into the legality of doing that mm -hmm. so i mean this makes me feel like the people at the fbi like get what's going on and yeah. they're not just gonna like let this happen well, i think that because they were all so aware of what was happening during the election they were like and then it, when donald trump was elected they've just been like writing everything down like everything is documented since day one of the election right i mean that's good because you uh, trump definitely didn't write anything down so i know yes <laughs> yeah he's definitely like no he definitely doesn't even like know how to write like his signature not that i'm gonna make fun of his signature but like he probably doesn't know how to write yeah. um okay that was our episode yeah guys we have a new t-shirt on sale it is mm -hmm. the rbgt it's really really cute it says rbg on like where your little pocket would go it's a black yeah. t-shirt it's adorable go to betches.co slash rbg you can check it out on our instagram at betches underscore sup yeah and you know, it's a great gift for your the RBG loving friend in your life. Yeah, and you can be the judge of who deserves one. Yeah, <laughs> you be the judge. You be the judge. <laughs> um, and lastly, if you have friends who are not signed up for our e our Betches Up email, just like go to the website and sign them up. Betches.co slash sub sign up. They'll thank you later. Like we've been hearing a lot about people who do that for their friends without them knowing uh -huh. and that they end up all like really loving it. Yeah. So it's the best kept secret yes. in your inbox. Mm -hmm. all I'm right. trying to make it not a secret anymore. Exactly. So until the end of democracy, I'm Sammy Fishbein. I'm Brian Russell Smith. And this has been the Betches Sub Podcast. Bye. Betches.